everybody, how's it going? Guys, my name is Miles with Boyer, and, uh, and you found the Photographic Collective podcast. Hey, I'm sitting here today um, with a, uh, just a dear friend, and I interrupted us mid-conversation so I could click record. So we're going to get back to that conversation, but I wanted to intro her properly. Um, guys, I'm sitting with, uh, with Nadia Melli, who is... Um, I mean, she's she's remarkable. I think she just said it herself. If you don't know who Nadia is, uh, she literally just said, um, your loss. So I think that that probably tees us uh, most appropriately for the conversation that we're about to have. But Nadia is recently moved to London from Paris. Um, she's kind of lived all over Europe, right? Um, and she's a Nikon ambassador. She's a remarkable photographer with a like an absolutely insane Rolodex of of workshops that she's taught and educational things that she's done and awards that she's won. Um, but honestly, Nadia, I don't want, I want to bring you in. Like I wanted to have the chat with you because aside from all of those wonderful things, like who you are is just like beautifully transparent. Um, you are probably one of the most vulnerable people. I think I, I, I have the opportunity to like call a friend, but also just follow on social media. And that takes a lot of courage. Um, and so, Hey, Hey. This is where you say hi, Miles. Hey, Miles. <laughs> Hello. You made me sound very strange here. Like with what I said before, it's your loss if you don't know me. I was just joking. <laughs> Whatever. Um, no, I mean, but I, it's it's so it does speak totally to your personality, which is not this like arrogant. I don't mean that. I just mean that it's like you're just you're just fun. Like you're just fun. So. Um, <laughs> I, I should have prefaced that. Nadia is just, she's just a good time, guys. Yeah, just a good time. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm actually much more than a good time, but we're going to get to that. Um, also, I did not live in Paris, Miles, I wish. Oh, <laughs> oh I thought you did. Where did, where did you uh, move to London from? Uh, I moved from Brighton. I was uh, down in Brighton by the coast. Okay. Um, and before that, I, I was in Germany. I grew up in Germany. Uh, but I was born in Italy because um, I'm Italian. So that's the very short bio. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I have that way wrong. I, I thought that the last time that we spoke, you were in Paris. I don't know. How did I get that? I have no, no idea. No? <laughs> okay. It was somebody else. Okay. Noted. Well, this is awkward. That's fine. Okay, so that's fine. what we were talking about, though, before I like so rudely interrupted us to like mm. hit the stupid record button. Um, you were just you were telling me about moving countries and like some of the like the struggle that 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 has been. So like, mm. I don't know. Pick up there for me because I um, I want to hear that. Like, how does that work for a photographer that's like internationally known? You're doing so many things at any given time. How do you just like pick up and jump countries? How does that work? <laughs> uh, you just do it because <laughs> you're following. I was following my dream. Um, basically, yeah, I was, I was living in Germany. That's where I started my photography business, right? And um, I was shooting weddings all over Europe, but also all over the, the world. Um, New Zealand, South Africa, like um, everywhere. And uh, for, for 10 years. And then um, I moved to England five years ago because... For me, England has always felt more like home. Um, I grew up as a third culture kid. As I said, I was born in Italy. My parents immigrated to Germany when I was a child. And so for everyone listening that has had a similar experience, you might understand this. When you grow up in two worlds between two cultures, you just never feel one like one thing. 
you don't feel like you can claim one culture for yourself because you're not a hundred percent any of it. Like, obviously I'm not German by blood. I just grew up there, but I have a lot of German um, culture and influence in me um, having, having lived there. And I, I am Italian by blood, but I've never lived in Italy. So the Italian culture I have in me is from visiting in the summer holidays from my parents raising me. Um, it's all like bits and pieces. I cannot claim fully like I'm this or I'm that. So I always felt like both and neither my whole life. Um, and I never felt like I belonged in Italy or I belonged in Germany. Always felt like, yeah, this is not my home. And then when I was 19, I, I came to England the first time on a visit. And then I did a gap year here and it completely clicked. Something clicked um, here in London because um, it's obviously a very, very international place. Um, it doesn't really matter what your passport says when you're here. Um, and, and everyone that moves to London kind of feels that way. And from that moment on, I was 19. <laughs> I was like, this is where I need to be. If I want to have a chance at feeling at home a little bit, I have to be here. So for 10 years, all I wanted was move to England from that time I first visited till the, the day I actually left. I was 30 <laughs> when I actually moved. So, um, yeah, it took, it took 10 years, but, um, five years ago I finally made it. And, uh, I was just telling you, like I moved country and that didn't feel as difficult to me as moving to London now. Cause I moved okay. to the seaside before, um, to a very sweet, like seaside town in England. And now I came to London for work, for photography. And this has been a nightmare move. <laughs> it's got to be a hard time though, I would assume as well to jump. I mean, just like the international climate, is just it's just rough after two years of three years almost right which is wild right but of of a pandemic and the photo industry just being like kind of turned on its head yeah um, I know we've talked to a lot of like a lot of guests but also just a lot of friends about that like it's just a um even if you feel like things are really good it's hard to put a lot of like faith that that's going to stay like that right so so you jumped in in the London to be more active, you know, I guess in your, in your photography career. So back us up then, because mm -hmm. I'm betting that, um, that there's definitely some people listening that may not know just quite how accomplished you are. But I mean, I, I'll say this, like, I knew your name, I've known your name for years, but it wasn't until I really started digging that I realized like, Maddie, you've taken on the world. Like you really have, you've not just not just accomplished a lot, but you have honestly taken on the world, but you've done it with so much humility um, that you've never, even when you've been at the big stages, you've never like demanded that, like that spotlight. <laughs> There's something, I don't know, really pretty about that. It's like very, very, um, very disciplined about that. So I want to hear like where we're, we're going to get there. Where does all that come from? But where did your, your photography career kind of spark? Uh, you know, it started here in London. <laughs> uh, so first of all, thank you. You're so sweet. <laughs> thank you for what you said. But um, uh, I'm not quite sure that um, the things you mentioned, that they were so intentional. But 
um, yeah, we can we can get there, as you said. But uh, it uh, my photography career started here. It started in London. Um, I did not grow up around photography um, like some people. You know, my dad had a dark room, and my grandfather. You know that kind of story. Um, was not my story. I was always an artist. I would always create and paint and draw and make things. But I only started shooting. I got my first camera when I was 19 and I came here to London, to England. Um, a little tiny point and shoot. And I was like doing street photography, what I thought was street photography. <laughs> it was. It was. It may not have been good street photography. <laughs> but you were standing on the street taking photography. Probably not, yes. But I was standing on the street uh, taking photos exactly so it was a street photography and um I completely fell in love with um freezing these moments um because it kind of was connected to falling in love with London <laughs> for me and feeling at home and I knew that I was gonna leave again after my time here the first time I came and I, and I kind of wanted to hold on to that feeling of wow I feel at home here I feel like I belong here so photos were the way to do that for me um, so you, that's how it started. You'd mentioned earlier, though, that it was like the first one of the first times that you've ever felt um, kind of like at home in your own skin, right? Mm-hmm. Like you you kind of felt pulled your whole life in multiple directions. So I'm assuming that those those photos, regardless of whether or not they were like you know technically beautiful photos, they probably mean a lot to you, right? Mm-hmm. They kind of really resonate with Absolutely. that that sort of becoming. Absolutely. Absolutely. They do. Um, and I still have them, all of them. And, um, it, it still reminds me of like such a special bubble (laughs) in my life. Um, and, and that's where it started really. And I never thought this would be my work, but, um, it started out like that. Um, just making memories for myself, um, and making like a home for myself. And then when I went back to Germany and I, and I went to, and I went to uni and I got a degree not in photography I studied theology <laughs> so I got a degree in theology um, and I got a DSLR and started actually photographing people because you know how it is when you get the big black camera suddenly people approach you because they think oh you can take pictures because you have a big camera <laughs> yeah you, and and suddenly you're you know exactly what you're doing with that thing Yes, exactly. People are like, oh, could you could you take photos, you know, of me and my boyfriend, or could you take photos for my LinkedIn or whatever? Like, yeah. because or could you shoot my wedding? <laughs> um, no pressure. Yeah, because you have a you have a professional camera, so it should be fine, right? Um, so I literally like start, I kind of slipped into it, really, like a lot of uh, photographers, um, unintentionally. It was not planned. I just knew that it was something that I thought that was fun, that gave me joy, that gave people joy as well. And so I shot my first wedding in 2009 um, and that was a friend's wedding. And then the first official paid one, the beginning of 2010 after I graduated. And from there it started snowballing. Um, And like after the first year already um, was shooting destination weddings in Europe, and it just got more and more and grew. And um, then I was approached by Nikon to be an ambassador. Um, I was speaking in places and stages, as you mentioned. And uh, yeah, it, it, it's been a, a very intense, uh, wild 10 years of being a wedding photographer. And I'm really grateful for those 10 years. I mean, I, I love... So like, I'll tell this story. 
Um, I looked you up on, uh, I was trying to find you a, a few months ago, right? I asked you if you were on Facebook or not. And then you were like, yeah, I hate Facebook, um, which is totally fun. Join the club. But anyway, I, I was trying to find you and I like typed your name into, into the search bar. And it was really interesting to me because you don't pop up because you don't have a Facebook account. But the, the number of places that you do pop up um, that maybe you don't know about, but it was oh. like, there was, a, there was a post from years ago. There was a post uh, from Igor Demba that had tagged you in that was like, I can't wait to share a stage with. And there was a post from Fair or CD that said something about like doing something in collaboration with. And I kind of sat back in awe, just like, you know, not only are these like Igor's I'm, I'm, I'm sitting down on, on the other side of the mic with Igor next week. Uh, and he's a good friend of mine. Um, and, uh, and then ironically, then I'm, I'm meeting with fair the week after. <laughs> and I just, I love the fact that uh, throughout the course of your career, you've, you've taught and given and trained but it sort of seems like the art, like, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it sort of seems like the art has always stayed central for you. Like you have never jumped over into like the education side completely. Am I right there? Mm, it depends how you define um, completely. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of, I was always like balancing both, doing both. And I have an online course and I've been teaching my own workshops or speaking at other people's like conferences and things. Right. Um but I've never, I guess I've never fully like scaled the educational side as like a business, like so many photographers do. Um, no, I haven't done that. Um, for me, um, and that is also something that I just came to realize over the course of a decade. Um, I realized, you know what? I just want to shoot. <laughs> I just want to shoot. It's literally, it's, what gives me the biggest joy. I don't want to grow an empire. (laughs) I don't want to employ like many people and, and grow in a way where obviously you have to have a scaffolding that, that holds everything, right? The more you grow, the more you need to be, you know, the more organization you need, the more, the more of everything you need. (laughs) And I, I think I slid into that, um, into that entrepreneurial world a little bit at the start of being a wedding photographer, because it's what everyone around me was doing. Um, And it was kind of that message when you are self-employed, you need to be an entrepreneur. You need to grow. Otherwise, what's the point? You have to have multiple streams of income and you have to, you you can't just be a photographer. You also have to, um, be an educator and you have to be a teacher and you have to be a speaker and you have to be this and this and this. And now it's, I don't know, what is it today? You have to do NFTs and you have to, you have to do everything. You can't just do that one thing. Um, you have to do it all. And I, I did for a while and I had an online shop and I was selling all kinds of things for photographers and uh, trying to be everything and offer everything until just put the brakes on everything and, and took everything offline. I was like, this is not me. I don't want to be an entrepreneur. I love that I kind of found you then, I think after that, because I, I mentioned this earlier, I think one of the things that is like most intriguing to me is your, your vulnerability. Um, and the fact that like your art feels so informed by you just from almost like a soul level, mm-hmm. like you, your your photography for as absolutely beautiful and and inspired as it is 
it's it's every bit as beautiful when you just take like a, a selfie sitting in your bedroom drinking tea. And and it's because you're like the the level of intentionality with your storytelling and the way that you integrate yourself into your storytelling. Um, it's special, like it, it, and it's really unique. So okay, so the, the course over the course of the last year, like I want to know what's what's going on with you because you have you've kind of opened up a lot in a way that I think is probably atypical to the community. So, so like, where did all that start and how does that feel to just sort of like bury your soul in public like that? <laughs> oh my gosh. That's such a loaded question. <laughs> Miles. Let's go. What's going on with me? Hmm. Um, you know, as before you knew me, before we knew each other, and I was more in the German and European wedding photography industry, more known there. And like I was in Facebook groups and stuff like years ago. I was already a big mouth. I was already like being open and being vulnerable and, and saying things that maybe weren't as popular <laughs> in the industry. Um, like, yeah, but you're I, not afraid to say them, which is so cool. Yeah, I'm not afraid to say that. <laughs> not at all. Um, I think I've been used my my whole life from early on to be othered. So I'm not really scared of standing alone um, with my opinion. And the funny thing is that I've realized when you do speak up, then other people come out of the woodworks <laughs> and they're like, oh, me too. I just needed someone to go first. It just needed someone to... To, to you know be the first to say it and, and like I, I remember in 2011 or 2012 I posted in a Facebook group we're talking about outsourcing and stuff and I, and I was like yeah I'm outsourcing my editing my wedding editing and stuff because obviously wedding season is crazy and I was like ripped into pieces <laughs> in that Facebook group because everyone was like how dare you like it's your art how can you outsource your editing and then two years later people were coming to me asking me for details like who do you use for editing like I want to outsource as well like it, it was so funny that evolution like um from um speaking about it being like shredded to pieces and then people starting to want to do the same thing or I've been very vocal about why I don't sell presets I don't believe in selling presets and my industry also doesn't like that <laughs> mm. um and now, um, especially the last two years with what, with like what I've been going through in my personal life and also with photography, um, everything's connected, right? So I've been, I've been again, like open with it because I know that honesty, my friends ask me the same thing. They're like, why do you bother? Why do you share stuff? Like you're just getting attacked and, <laughs> you know, people like send you, um, messages and it's like so much and it's overwhelming but for me the main reason why I share is community because and you know this as well um, when we think we're the only ones going through something we're we're weaker we think we're alone and it's harder to fight it's harder to hope when we think we're the only ones but when we know other people that have been where we are now, they've gone through it, they've made it, or they are in that space and they talk about it, it makes us stronger. It gives us hope, um, right? It's inspiring. It's like, this person made it, I can make it too. Um, and that, that creates community when, when people share what, what they're going through. So 
uh, it's just been a natural evolution of me, just my personal evolution to just become more and more open and live without a mask. Um, no pun intended, this is not COVID related. Um, but it's, yeah, I can't, once you start, you cannot go back, you know, you can't go back. Like I cannot, I cannot suddenly now shut up. <laughs> so, well, yeah. no, I love, I think that's maybe I feel like I'm getting light bulbs just in my own mind about it. But one of the things I think that's so attractive about you as a, as a personality, as a person, um, is the fact that like, though you're vulnerable often, um, it's never isolating. It's really interesting that you, that you would, that you would say it that way, because you're right. You're, you're almost always, uh, inviting people in to just have a conversation with you. Even, even if it's, um, you know, the conversation is, is asking somebody else to be quiet so that somebody new can speak. Mm-hmm. And there's something really beautiful, like very empowered about that. And it's something that like, I, I wanted to have that chat with you because I feel like so much of our industry right now is geared around like, what camera do you use? What presets do you sell? What, yeah. you know, what is, what's your CRM? I, like all of the efficiency mindset type things. But the most successful people that I know, and I would put you completely in that spectrum, but the most successful people in this industry that I know, people like Jonas, people like Fair, people like you and Igor, and they're people that are so much less interested in efficiency than they are in uh, intentionality. Yeah. You know, just making decisions on purpose. So when you when you decide that you're you're gonna share you know, something that you feel like is, is potentially like a, you know, this is a PR risk. Like people are going to blow up and maybe get mad at you. What's the, what's the thought process there for like a risk? Like what, do you even think it through or do you just say like, Hey, I feel passionately about this and I'm just going to go with it. I do think about it. Um, I do think about if there's any, first of all, I think about, is it necessary? (laughs) Is it, really necessary to say um is this a thing you know where there is harm or people are you know feel mm, inadequate or lonelier because of it like is it useful if i share this is it useful at all to anyone or is it unnecessary some some stuff is unnecessary to talk about you know if it's like um I don't know, just camera and lenses stuff. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, it's, it's fine. Like this, this is not a hill I'm willing to die on. Um, you know, use whatever you use, shoot what you want to shoot on, edit how you want to edit. That's not anything I would ever argue about. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I do think about that stuff. Definitely if it's necessary or not. Um, but um, I'm a very, um I'm not very risk adverse. Is that the word? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm happy with taking risks and then thinking about it after. Um, and I know that with, um, again, with being open and sharing, you know, my own journey um, or my thoughts about something, um, I know that someone out there will feel less lonely and will feel more like, oh, this is normalized now because someone else spoke about it. And that's what happens. You just, you share your truth 
and you automatically give someone permission to share theirs. It's just, it just happens automatically. And I think that's so beautiful to do. Um, yeah. Mm, I just, I adore that your, your perspective comes back to community over and over again. I mean, it's so much of what we're trying to do in general, but always, always because when there were so many times, I'm sure you've had that too in life, whether that's personal stuff or business where I wish like I needed someone like me, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like I needed someone else, you know, like where where you needed someone else to tell you what you know now, you know, but like, I wish someone had been there 10 years ago, whatever, to tell me this thing that I know now. So like, whenever I think that I'm like, I'm sure hundred percent, there's at least one person, but definitely more that need to hear this now that need to hear this right now, whether that's from me or from someone else. Um, and obviously, we all have our circle um, of influence. So, yeah. So translate that into. I think. I think anybody that's listening right now is going. Is I hope is going to connect these dots with me. So translate that into you as a photographer. So how does that inform you, like moment of capture, mm-hmm. right? Where you say like this moment. It, we all have to do this, but so many of us aren't even aware that we're doing it. But you're you're always making the analysis to say like this mount moment matters more than this moment, right? And it's those of us that have the ability, I think, to lean on that instinct that that really um, speak to people. But how does that ability for you to say, like, to humanize the people around you, to to try and invite them into how you're feeling and to empathize with them, how does that inform you, you know, as as a photographer? I love that. That's such a beautiful question and thought. Um, I... I'm not sure that I'm that that person that thinks this moment is more important than this moment. I'm like, I fire away. I'm like, everything is important. <laughs> like, I cannot miss a single, <clears throat> excuse me, I cannot miss a single moment of this. And, and this is beautiful. But if I was to go, if I was to expand on this question or on this answer, um. I think it's, it's this, for me, it was this, and it goes with what you said before, like all the successful people, what they have in common is actually that they're not following a formula. They're doing like themselves. And for me, that started, and that's also what my workshops and my course is all about. And when I first published my online course, people would call it psycho workshop. Like photographers in the industry called it psycho workshop, not in a kind way, <laughs> mm-hmm. because it wasn't the type of workshop, you know, do this in Lightroom, press this button, yeah. this is how you edit. It wasn't tangible. It was about here's how you define your style and how you liberate your photography by knowing who you are. That's where you start. And people don't want to hear that. Because it's, what? Like, what do you do with that? Knowing who I am. It sounds like so like, you know, airy, fairy. And it does, it's not tangible. It's not, it's not easy to grasp. And for me, that's where it started. Um, the first few years of shooting weddings. Actually, I remember the first year, I was probably more free. Because I didn't have a lot of 
wedding photographer friends. I didn't have a lot of contacts in the industry yet. I didn't follow a lot of people. I mean, it was 2010, you know, it was all like very fresh with social media. So I think I was quite free in the photos I was producing looked kind of, you know, like very like different from what wedding photography looks now or from what even my photography looked after three or four years, because then you, you become less and less free. The more photos you look at, the more people you follow, the more contacts and influence you have in your head, you start reproducing what you see, right? We all do that. So after a few years, three years, I think, the first three years of being a wedding photographer, I was like super booked out uh, all year round, super happy clients. Everyone online was applauding. Oh my gosh, your work's so beautiful. And I was like, I was looking at my work and I was so unhappy. I was like, I, I hate this. I hate these photos. I don't like them. And I couldn't, I didn't know why, because they looked good, right? They looked pretty wedding photos Everyone was happy with them, but I wasn't. <laughs> um, and that's important, I think, also to note when we talk about success, like what others, when they look at you and they think you're successful, but you don't feel successful, you know, according to your own, um, uh, to your own benchmark, basically. So I, I had to like have a look at myself and I was like at my work and I, kind of analyzed I went about it really analytical I looked at my pictures from the beginning when I started and in that moment like what was the what was the thing that was bugging me why was I unhappy and one photo revealed it for me like and really hit me uh, and I'm sure you know that that pose because we've all done it um you know couple stands next to each other like, I call it the hipster shot no offense to all the hipsters but you know they just stand next to each other looking into the camera, really serious, really pissed, you know, just like <laughs> straight face, nothing going on in that picture, just that shot. And I, um, I, I looked at that shot that I've taken at a few weddings and I was like, I asked myself, why did I take this photo? Why did I do this? Just random question. Like, and this is a really, really good question to ask yourself as a photographer. If you go through your portfolio and you want to analyze it, why did I take this photo? <laughs> and the only answer I could come up with with the hipster shot was I only took it because I saw it somewhere else this is not a photo that would naturally come out of Nadia because that's not me like naturally if I I wouldn't produce this if I didn't see it somewhere else and then I asked myself another weird question because I'm the minister of weird questions, <laughs> right? <laughs> I asked myself, what photos would I produce? What photos would I create if there were no other pictures in the world? There was nothing that I could look at. There were no other photographers, no other photographs in the, in the world. What would I create? And obviously that's, not a real scenario, but still you can answer that question. There's still an answer to that question. You know, you would create out of your heart, like out of, it would, it would just spill out of yourself and um, out of your subject. Like it's a two way street, right? Whatever they're giving you. Um, if you're photographing people, 
um, whatever they're giving you and and whatever you have inside, like it's a co-creation. It would it would just be completely organic um, without any influence. Now we obviously are under a lot of influence <laughs> of images all the time, every day. Um, and I'm not delusional. I know that it's not possible to create completely, completely free from that. Um, depending on what industry you're in as well and what what kind of photography you do. But I think, I believe, um, because I'm there and I've taught hundreds of photographers um, how to do this as well, I believe that there is a way to create images that are more true to you um, instead of just replicating what you see. And so for me, really, what informs my photography is that sense of self, like, who am I? Um, and also, obviously, who's the person in front of me? Um, but that constant questioning is what really drives me. Um, and I think what also brings my work forward all the time. I had a call yesterday with, uh, with a good friend of mine, Paul Von Reeder. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you know Paul or not, but um, very similar circles to you. So uh, you'd be surprised. Okay. If, I mean, like two degrees of separation at most. Um, but I was chatting with him about um, these training protocols that we're creating for the collective mm-hmm. and, and these mentor groups that we're starting. And, um, and I, you, you just spoken to me so much and you don't even know that. But um, what I was chatting with him about is how difficult it is for me to release these things as though they are the solution to a problem. Mm-hmm. Because the honest solution from what I've seen over 15 years in this industry is that people almost always, almost always already have all of this stuff in in themselves. Like nine out of 10 times, just the courage to call themselves a photographer was enough to unleash all of this creative potential. Mm. And then the courage doesn't necessarily create though the, the opportunity. And so it's like, then like, how do you unleash the opportunity? Well, it's all there. Like it it all exists in well inside of you and your stylistic decisions and your client experiences and just who you're going to be as an artist. It's all there. Mm -hmm. And so releasing protocols then that like train people a step-by-step process on how to be successful seems so um, counter-cultural to that. Because in my mind, I'm like, no, all I want to do is be able to just like give you a high five and say like, hey, like you can do this, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, and so I, I just adore your perspective so much because it sort of sounds as though like it took you a little while to like wrap your mind around the fact that like you didn't need, you didn't need to create the hipster image. <laughs> it, it, it may have done something for your clients or maybe not. They may have just appeased you and, and went for it. But it may have done something for them, but it didn't do anything for you. So long-term, it didn't do anything for future clients. Yeah, yeah. Right, so... And, uh, I love what you just said, absolutely. Um, it's kind of it's kind of that tricky, you know, I guess that balance that we all have to find um, in this industry where, of course, you can refine, you know, your shooting approach and your style and your editing. And of course, you can learn. You know, there's always stuff to learn, especially in the beginning. And you look for orientation and you look for guidance, right? But what you just said, like the answers are already in you. Your style is not something. And that's why I say over and over again, your style is not like a lost key. You don't have to find it. Your style is already there. 
is just lying under layers and layers and layers of like, you know, Instagram photos and, and, and peer and industry work and like unspoken rules in the industry and all of that stuff. Like, but your style is already there. It just needs to be uncovered. You have to have that courage to exist in your photographs, like instead of trying to be someone else. Um, and, and I understand that in the beginning, it's hard, especially when you enter the industry now where it's already so full. Um, and you enter and, and you're already faced with, with so much, um, you know, uh, quality and, and so many people and so many offers and so much teaching and so much advice and so many things you can do. It can be really hard to like find your way and be like, wait a minute, what, what do I want? And who actually am I and what am I bringing to, to, to photography, to my photographs? Guys, whether you know it or not, whether you realize this or not, and hopefully you have enough wherewithal to realize it, but every time you open a social media platform, every single time, every time you doom scroll on Instagram or, or on Facebook or, or whatever, there's these little calluses that build up around your soul. And, it's, and it's, the, it's, the, it's the inspiration that comes from you being able to look at the softness and the, and the intimacy of you know, Marco Sanchez's work or the Pharaoh's work. And then click over and see the, the brilliant lighting and the remarkable concepts of Two Man Studios or Jason Vincent. Those things are the things that should push you as an artist. But instead, what they do is they expose all your insecurities. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, all you see is that you're neither. Yeah. But you're not supposed to be either. You're mm-hmm. supposed to be you. And, and if you, I think if you'd spend less time, and, and that's where I want, I just want to get back to you, Nadia. But I think if, if all of us would spend less time wondering why we're not somebody else, we might, we might really find the answer. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because the, you have all the answers. As cliche as that sounds, um, you do. And what I was saying before my postman rang the bell <laughs> is that once, when you have that filter, um, that you know who you are, then you can go to workshops, you know, and listen to people talk and advice and here and there and scroll through Instagram with a more peaceful mind. Because once, when you see something, it won't throw you off because you know, like you'll see it and you know, okay, this is, you can acknowledge what it is and that it's beautiful work, but you know that this is not me and you, you won't have that, um, Ooh, maybe I should do that too, or like that comparison thing. And and obviously, yeah, there's always room to play and experiment, um, you know, in, in our art. I'm not saying there isn't, but um, yeah, just have that foundation really that is literally who you are, that is already in you, your style, what you love. I think if all of us listening, if like people listening could go back to their very first images that they created, Quality aside, right, <laughs> at the beginning, like the quality itself, you know, is not great, you know, the, the technical quality, but the way you the way you shot, the approach, you know, how you captured, what you captured, what mattered to you, I think you'll find that there's a lot of truth in there, a lot of you in there. Um, a lot of times... Um, me included, myself included, and people who I've spoken to who've, who've done who've, who've done 
that journey of um, coming back to themselves as artists, as photographers, they they have said like, actually my work now, it looks a lot like my work in the beginning. Um, the quality is better, you know, the technical mm-hmm. <laughs> specs are better, like, but it the, the approach of shooting and how I shoot, what I shoot, it's very, very similar to the very beginning when I had no idea, when it was just mm-hmm. instinct. Um, That's so cool. That is, yeah. and, and and I'll I'll echo that for you because I'm I'm experiencing that literally right now. Am I Are you? Tell Absolutely. me about that. I uh, I mean, just you you just you just said it. I mean, it, it it was these moments early on in my career where between the photos that I thought I was supposed to take, I was taking the photos that I wanted to take. And then what ended up happening over the course of 15 years has been that I've become so um, so efficient at the both of the images that I'm supposed to take, as well as all of the images in the middle, that I had found myself telling this same story with just like semantics changes over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And over the course of the last year, um, there's been a real kind of a wake up there. So, okay, so I want to I want to ask you because you you're you're doing your own podcast right now. You're still working with Square Muse, right? Which is how we got connected. Yeah, with Flow Themes, Square Muse, Pixie Set, yeah, all yeah. of them. Um, which is so cool because that's that's how we initially got connected. And I'm so grateful for your your help with all of that. Um, y'all, if, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen my new website, click over because Nadia had so much to do with all of that coming to life, which was a really big thing I for me. I didn't. I just you, connected. You did. You connected. You were the connector. You were the glue. Um, you make, really were. I did not make Miles' website. No, that was Marcos. That was Go back me. to the other. Um, I, but I want to. I want to know just because I think I, I, I'm really fascinated by. I think where the answer to this question is: Are you a Are you a reader? Do you love to read? I do love to read. Yes. Okay, what? Tell me. Tell me a book that you've read this year already that, or or in the last six months, that has just. Um, that's really just informed you because you are so articulate, but I can tell that there's a lot of influence. Like mm-hmm. you're, you're pulling things from all over the place. So I want to know, like, tell me how I can get a hint of this. A book I've read in the last six months. Oh, so many. Um, I've read um, Bell Hooks, All About Love um, in the last six months. I've read Untamed by Glennon Doyle. I've reread Women Who Run With the Wolves. Um, I recently read Will Smith's biography, which is incredible. Uh, like hard recommend that one. It's beautiful. Um, what was the question? <laughs> I, I, that, that was it. I just, guys, even if you know nothing about these, I'm going to re- repeat them. If you have never even heard of these books, she has read a book called Untamed mm-hmm. and a book called Women Who Run With the Wolves. I know nothing about these books, so I can tell you, like, I picture your face on the cover of both of those. <laughs> I don't I know wish. if I picture you on the cover of Will Smith's autobiography, but I, sure, <laughs> I can see you in there having shook his hand or something. Um, the, the only reason that I ask that is because, I, I, like I said, I feel like you just have um, this sort of self-care, like, concept down. Mm-hmm. That so many of us are just now, especially over in the US, like it's just now coming to where it's like a part of the culture is to say like, hey, if you're not bettering yourself, you're probably wasting yourself, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it, I feel like you just, you, you've you put the time in. Um, I don't know if that's, you know, via exercise, which was cool. We did that thing together um, or or just like your body lotion. 
which which was just delivered, by the way. Um, or the books that you're reading, and I know this is like an awkward break here, but I but I think they're connected. I think you you you've spent a lot of time just sort of figuring out who you are and how to be a good version of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, how much of your life do you invest in you? As much as I can, <laughs> um, because I am the longest relationship I will ever have <laughs> in life. It's the relationship with myself. Uh, I, my body is my home. Uh, the, the, the longest home I will ever always have until I die. So, um, I invest a lot in it. And I think it's definitely also cultural, as you just said, you know, no offense, (laughs) but, um, I think, um, the work uh, mentality is very different in the States than it is here in Europe. Um, Obviously, yeah, still every person is an individual and we're all different. But generally, I feel like it is more relaxed here um, and less of a hustle mentality. And I've come to learn like in my all my all throughout my 20s, I started my photography business. I was 23. And for 10 years until, yeah, I was 33, I hustled so hard um, with wedding photography and it completely it did destroy me a little bit. (laughs) I did not take care of myself um, from 23 to 33. I didn't. I was all about work and uh, I was traveling a lot and started to get physically and mentally sick. Um, Literally, I was at airports um, crying in the bathroom of airports, not wanting to get on the flight to shoot that wedding in like this beautiful destination in Greece because I was so anxious and I was so tired. And I kept saying, I was in that bathroom and I would say, I want to go home. I want to go home. I want to go home. And um, that was also when I realized I need to stop doing weddings. But um, I also realized I need to really start taking care of myself um, and make some changes. So now that was, yeah, three years ago. um, Now I'm all about, um, prioritizing life over work and I know that being an artist and a creative work and life blend together you know and I love taking photos just for fun for no reason it's not just work for me right as it is for you as well I'm sure um however there is still there is a separation that kind of needs to happen because um it was it was killing me it was just harming me. Um, there was literally no no separation at all and no balance at all. So um, yeah, I, I make sure I take good, good care of myself. And I realized also my capacity just um, is, is less than it used to be. You know, I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's, you know, I'm, I don't want to be like, oh, it's age. I'm so old. <laughs> It, it might be age. It might, it might just be life circumstances. I don't have as much capacity to do everything and to do all the time, all the things. Um, and so I just need more breaks and I need to um, have more spaces to breathe. And I take them. I just take them for myself. And I think leaving wedding photography was one huge component of that. Yeah. And I want to know more about that as well, but mm. First, do do me so so do me a favor. So for for anybody that's that's listening to this, that sort of can sympathize uh, with 
with where you are. And I think there's probably a lot of, of those photographers listening. I, often, I feel as though a lot of photography podcasts only speak to the startups, <laughs> right? Like they only speak to the new photographers. Um, but that's really not the group of people that I hear that are, that are absorbing this. In fact, actually a lot of the people that write us and, and like check in with me are photographers that have been at this for a long time and are trying to kind of find their voice, like to settle a little bit, mm-hmm. um, just to find balance. So what's some advice then that you, that you would give a photographer that does feel like they're just, they're on that like seven day a week, they wake up and it's work and they go to sleep and it's work and they're pushing their kids aside and their wife or husband aside or wh- whatever. Their entire life is on hold while they try and build this business. Mm. I remember one thing you said when I interviewed you um, on the podcast, you said um, the purpose of this business was to provide for my family. I think that's what you said. And if, if I cannot do that, if I not just like financially, if I don't have time for my family, if I cannot be there for my family, then there is no purpose. <laughs> right. Um, and I've, I've never forgotten that. And I think, um, purpose and intention, however you want to call it, is a great word here to use. So if you are in that space where you're exhausted, <laughs> where you're just so tired, um, I would advise to take a step back and um, think about your purpose. What was the intention of you getting into this, into photography? And is that still the case? Are you still living in that purpose? Is that still serving you? Um, Or are you just functioning um, on a really high level? Um, So uh, that would be my my first advice. And then from there... um, making decisions, you know, uh, and, and, and actually like taking stock and, and, and making changes. Um, for me, I realized, uh, after 10 years that actually it wasn't weddings that I loved. Weddings are not my purpose (laughs) or even like making memories of, for people, you know, that they look at in 50 years. Um, that, that wasn't, that wasn't even the case. It, It wasn't, it wasn't weddings. It was um, connection. It was belonging. And that's always what I've looked for in photography. Um, in a way, it's it was definitely also a selfish thing. I've always looked for um, connection and belonging because I wanted to connect and belong. So I, I, would, I would be so thrilled when I could create that for someone else. Um, when they felt that connection, when they felt at home and loved and like they belonged through the, those photos, then I felt it too. <laughs> um, it was definitely like uh, a two-way thing. Um, and it, it wasn't about weddings for me. That's why I, I was um, very fine with like leaving that world after a decade. Uh, it was not the weddings. It was, um, it was my purpose was something else. And, and I realized I can find that, um, doing other types of photography. It doesn't have to be weddings. So, um, ask yourself what the purpose is. Um, why did you get into photography? What is it? And, and it's not, that typical photography photographer answer, you know, because I love telling stories. (laughs) 
that's not the answer. You have to dig deeper. That's not the answer. Um, we all love to. We all love stories, but we all have a um, very personal reason for it, for doing photography. Yeah, I've said this before. It's actually a part of our training program where I, where I say, like, if you haven't come to terms yet with the audacity, it, the self-absorbed, tr- truthfully, the self-absorbed audacity of being an artist, mm-hmm. then then you haven't arrived yet. You haven't figured it out. Because until you're capable of looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, like, for some reason, you feel like somebody else should pay you money for your perspective. Um, yeah. If, if, if you can't break it down to that, the most simplistic that that's it, right? Why? Yeah. Like why, why is it that I feel as though the way that I see a moment is so valuable that you should pay me to capture it for you? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and that sounds so like callous, but the reality is I think it actually, when, when you come to terms with the answer to that, um, that there, there is, and there is an answer that that is a why suddenly I think you, you, you become so capable of being empathetic or being more present or being more capable of, of, uh, of shooting from a more informed angle. Yeah. And it sounds and, like gross, like in a way, like, Oh gosh, you know, to admit that and to acknowledge it, but it's not one or the other. That's the other thing that I think is very important. It's not just, you know, Oh, you're being selfish because you're doing this for you <laughs> because being an artist and putting your work out there, whether that's, you know, because you're commissioned or because you just create and someone else buys it, whatever art you do, it is a bit of a, um, it is an ego thing, right? It is. Mm -hmm. However you want to look at it, creating something, putting it out there, selling it or asking for money. Um, But it's not just one or the other. Yes, both, both can be true, right? You, 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 you're asking for money for your service because you believe in what you're doing and what you're offering is so valuable. And your perspective, as you said, is, is unique and is different and matters. So you're asking for money and you are driven by, by your ego doing that. But also, you're also driven by the desire to give something to people as well. Like both can be true at the same time. It's not one or the other. Mm-hmm. Oh, Which oh. I think I think that actually can be the answer to that, though. I mean, I would say that um, in so many of the photographers that I meet with, that is their answer, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, why why is your perspective worth money? Like, why should people pay you? And and I, I would say, let's at least from my from my angle, I would say because I know that I'm going to be wholeheartedly invested in being empathetic to the moment. Yeah. So I'm yeah. going to do my best to try and feel what is being felt so that the photos are informed by those feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a, that's a tough thing. You end up wearing a lot of emotions on your sleeve that are not your emotions. Um, and that, that does wear on you over time, which I, I think is you know, what, you, what you're saying, which is like you know, your capacity shifts because, mm-hmm. because you know, over the course of 15 years, you've taken on the heart of hundreds and thousands of clients and photographers and an industry that's put pressure on you and a, a camera company that has put pressure on you and uh, you know any number of things that that yeah. has that has just expanded the volume of your heart and you're still trying to kind of weed through that maze and make sure that it's your voice yeah yeah um, that's a lot it is a lot it is a lot it is and I'm super proud of the fact that 
um, instead of following numbers and whatever other people thought that my success was, I just kept following my gut and I'm still doing that today. It's, I mean, it's evident. It's amazing. Okay. So, so what comes next for you then? <laughs> the cover of Vogue. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, why not? Let's go. Yeah, let's go. Um, I moved to London from my little seaside town um, to really fully dive more into portrait photography and editorial photography. Um, that's all I want to do. I want to shoot faces. I want to shoot people, not fashion, not really into fashion. I, I'm not into like the product. Um, I'm into people and um, I want to do that on a big scale. Uh, and to do that, I need to be here in the big city um, because, you know, it's all about who you know and who you connect with. Um, and I, in, being in my little seaside town, I'd be too stuck um, to to actually do what, to create that career that I want to create. Um, but that's what I want to do. I want to shoot people. I want to have all kinds of people in front of me, talk to them, connect to them um, and and photograph them. Uh so with portrait photography, I have found after doing weddings for so long, I found I found my home. I feel like I've come home. Um, it is a completely different thing from doing weddings because when you do weddings, you can hide a little bit. You know, you're documenting for like 80% of the day um, and you can hide a little behind your camera, even though, yes, you know, you are a part of it and you are that friend <laughs> during the wedding day. But with portrait photography, suddenly, you know, it's you and that person. And you have to be present. You have to be fully present and fully show up um, because it requires both of you, you and the other person, to be vulnerable uh, in order to connect and create that portrait. So it, it has given me a completely new view of photography and a completely new, like, joy for it. Um, so I'm falling in love with photography, like again right now, uh, because because of portrait photography, and it makes me really happy. Yeah, you can hear it. That's 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 really special, and I think it it probably speaks to who you are right now, like in your own life too, right? Yeah. Where yeah. you maybe you feel like more seen by yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, like you you're not trying to hide in your own skin for eighty mm-hmm. percent of the time. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, man, that is so so true. Um, that is uh, very good, uh, <laughs> very very well observed. Yes, because yeah, for for so long, um, that's what I was doing as well. I was hiding, um, and yeah, the evolution of the last few years, it's just like okay, I'm out, I'm out now. <laughs> I don't want to hide anymore, and. And maybe, yeah, that required also a change in, in my work as well. Definitely. Or, or empowered it. Yeah. Which I, which I think is, is beautiful. Okay. Oh my gosh. It's been <laughs> over an hour. We just, I, you, I think we did this for, for my podcast call with you as well. I think we just sort of went and went and went and went. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a long one. Um, mm-hmm. But I love it. I love just going and exploring those sidetracks in the conversation and like um, just building this beautiful, um, colorful bouquet of thoughts and nuggets instead of just having like interview questions. So I really appreciate you. Thank you. Well, it's, it, it's my least favorite thing about you that you aren't on, uh, that you aren't on Facebook because <laughs> this all points back 
we're working right now with um, with developers to try and figure out a way to take a lot of this stuff off of Meta um, and uh, and give us a, our own home. But a lot of this points back to this idea of community that you started off with. And I, and I ask this inadvertently, I ask this to, to every guest mm. in a way, uh, always in a different way. But I want to know, like, where, where are you, where do you find community? Like, where is it that you're plugged in that you feel fed? Mm. Uh, where I feel fed is, are we talking about the photography industry or in general? No, actually, I, I think in general, I think it, I, I want to know just you as a person. Okay, me as a person. Where I feel fed is um, with people um, that that I can be myself with um, and people that are themselves with me. <laughs> I feel fed in spaces where there's no masks, again, no pun intended, nothing to do with COVID, where there's no masks, where there, where you don't talk about other people, but you talk about your own like processes and your own like ideas and your thoughts and your feelings and what you're going through and experiences. Um, I feel fed in spaces where there's growth. Um, growth is one of the most important things to me. It's one of my favorite things in life. Um, where other people have have that mindset of let's grow. Um, How can we evolve and be better as humans? I'm not talking like professionally, just as humans, because that's the foundation, like who you are informs what you do. So if you want to improve professionally, that's my belief, you improve personally first, because what you do professionally will just spill out of that. So uh, those are the spaces I feel really, really, really happy in and fed in. And um, that's actually the community I've built around myself of, of the people in my life, the family that I've chosen. They're all people like that. That's what I was going to ask next is, is, do you have that? Yes, yes, I do. I do. I really do. I really do. And I'm, yeah, I'm so, so grateful. Um, I, I really do. I have it locally. Um, where I live, well, where I lived in Brighton, I've, I've just moved like two weeks ago to London. So um, uh, I'll, I'll have to build it locally, like here again, but I did have it locally and I have it worldwide because <laughs> I have um, close, uh, really close, good friends like that. Um, a little bit all over the world, really. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm very proud of the people in my life, very proud of them and, 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 and who they are. I think that's huge. Uh, the reason I love to ask that is because I'm, I, th- I think one of the things that I really try and imply to people is that community is so, is so important. And we love to cliche that, mm. right? Like we love to, to say like the community over competition stuff, or we, uh, we love to, to find ways to belittle its importance and take it back to, to our professionalism. But the reality is like without, without community, you don't have you you don't have anybody to share your wins. You don't have any accountability to yeah. to pause you on the edge of a failure. Yeah. Um, you don't have anybody to jump off the cliff with you. Yeah. You know, the isolation I think kills creatives faster than anything else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um yeah. yeah. And so that's that's such a big deal to me. 
And you know what, Miles, even professionally, if we talk about community in a professional sense, right, what it does for your work, for your art, for your career, it took me 36 years <laughs> to learn this, but here I am. Um, I've only learned this recently and understood this recently. And it's one of the reasons why I moved to London. It, it took me so long to understand that even in your career, you cannot make it alone. Even the people, and this is an element of success we don't speak about enough. Um, we speak about, you know, the hard work and the hustle and all of the systems and all of the strategies. We don't speak about that element of luck and that element of other people on your path, on your career path. I'll call it element of luck, but it's kind of, you know, that right person seeing your thing in the right place at the right time. Um, or, you know, those people that connect you to those right people at the right moment. Um, and I, I see that again and again, you know, when people do their speeches, their Oscar speeches or their Grammy speeches, or I just watched the Kanye West documentary on Netflix and um, as well. And it's like over and over again, you know, you see how he was a bit of like this, he was so different from all the other rappers and they wouldn't take him seriously because he was just a producer, da, 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 da. But, and, and, you know, you would think, oh, he's like, he's standing out, he's standing alone and he made it all by himself, but he didn't. Um, all these people that for years filmed this documentary alongside with him and like, why did they throughout like him not having the success that he wanted? He, they could have been like, this guy's just talk, 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 you know, like what is happening? Nothing is happening. These people stuck around because they believed and they supported him, you know, with whatever they could do. Um, mm -hmm. His mother was a huge support as well. So it's like every time, you know, when someone does a speech or, and, or you're inspired by someone and think, wow, they made it from the bottom up and they did it all through hard work. Yes, <laughs> they did put in hard work, but there's a lot of people in the world who work hard and they don't make it. It's not just the hard work. It's also the people on your path, you know? And I think we, we don't speak about that enough. And it took me 36 years to understand that. Like through my 20s, I've been hustling so much and I did everything alone most of the time. And I <laughs> like, yeah, it, it, it almost killed me. And now um, that I moved here and um, I want to uh, do this completely differently because I said to myself, I don't want to hustle. <laughs> I don't want to arrive here in the big city and hustle my butt off. I want to use my community. I intentionally want to use um, community and the people I know um, to, to rise up and in return help other people as well. It may sound weird, but literally this is, I had like just this light bulb moment um, just, just, just now um, at, at my age. So um, yeah, I think, I think that's like a huge, um, huge thing, a huge difference in, in, shift in my mind and something we don't speak about enough. I think we should talk about that element more. And when we hear other success stories, kind of investigate who were the people in your path, you know, um, who were they? Because yeah, you know, when the son of David Beckham, David and Victoria Beckham, he's a photographer. He's like 18 or 20 years old. He shot for Vogue and you see the photos and you're like, how did this guy 
get this job. <laughs> we all we all know how he got the job, right? Mm-hmm. It's not because he is the best man for the job. It's because of the contacts. And I used to look at nepotism as something really negative. Like, this is awful. Like, you know, you just get an opportunity just because you know someone. Mm-hmm. And it is awful in the cases where that person is not qualified, right? They, they actually, they're not good for the job and they still get it just because they know someone. But if they are good for the job, if they are qualified, all of us, we all want to help our friends, right? Or our family member. If, if someone asks you for like, hey, do you, do you have a contact? Could you connect me to, you know, a person here or there? You would help, right? We all want to help a friend. Like, and if I have to do a project and I'm thinking, oh, I need a makeup artist or I need a videographer. My first thought is I scan my head for the people that I know, right? Like we all love to work with people that we know and that we love. So if you look at it from that way, from that angle, it's suddenly, it looks different. It doesn't have that negative connotation of, oh, this is nepotism. It kind of suddenly looks different. It has, to me, it looks like community. Yeah, I, I love that. I think often we we use that that like cliche again of like it's not what you know, it's who you know in a really negative perspective. But exactly. I think the the truth of the matter is that if we would spend more time building networks and building relationships that aren't transactional, it's just people that mm-hmm. were in their life and they're in ours because we enjoy having those connections. Yeah. Then when they do open doors for us you know, we're, yeah. we're suddenly empowered to, to sort of take advantage of those opportunities. That's, that's a beautifully said thing. Amazing. Yeah. You just summed it up perfectly. That's, that's exactly it. Like you, you just build relationships, you just build community, you just make friends, you just love on people. And then whatever happens, happens. Like, you know, you do help and support each other. That's like, that comes natural. Um, so that's the next decade of my life is going to be that instead of hustling. <laughs> That's so cool. I mean, I've, I've said this a number of times on this podcast, but the, the, the reason this podcast started um, was because I, I, I wanted what you're talking about. I, mm-hmm. I have all these relationships with these, with these remarkable people and, and like, you know, future guests lineups are, are not just photographers. Actually, we've got mindset coaches and we've got nice. um, a, uh, an anthropologist that I'm going to have on here. We, but just these like brilliant people that I feel like I don't even have, even though they're friends of mine, because of work and life and kids and, and all of this stuff, I don't have um, the intentionality to set aside an hour to just get to know them deeper, mm-hmm. like to just hear their heart. And, and then when I came to that realization, it was, it was Jared and I kind of talking through this early on, but when I came to that realization, the next logical step was, if I feel like I could learn something just from hearing a friend of mine speak, then how much more powerful would it be for people that maybe don't have the opportunity to, to know those people firsthand? Yeah. You know, like I, I'm blessed to be able to, to write you and say, you know, like, hey, Nadia, jump, jump on a call with me. Mm-hmm. But the number of people now that are going to be able to sit back and benefit from, from how beautiful, you know, and articulate your soul is creatively and and I think it's just a perfect testament to how important community is. And I love that that's so central to sort of the ethos of your 
of your brand and and uh, and like you said, the next ten years of your life. Mm, yeah. Um, Thank you, and I think that's such a beautiful cycle when you can share your people that you know with your circle, you know, and then they can share you with their circle. And it's kind of that ripple effect is endless. It's infinite. You don't know where it stops, you know, it's beautiful. Yeah. I had the coolest opportunity and then, and then we, we can start to kind of wrap this so we don't go on forever, but I had the coolest <laughs> opportunity last night. I had a neat idea and I'm not going to say exactly what it is because you're going to, I'm going to loop you in on it as well, but I had a neat idea about how to kind of pull together all these remarkable names and just cool people that have been a part of this podcast <laughs> And, um, and so I wrote all of them at the same time with the idea on Instagram. And then I sat back and I was like, wait, how cool is it? Like how stinking awesome is it that I have one thread, one chat on, on Instagram that has all of these names in it. And we're all writing back and forth to each other. And I'm like, I'm sitting back in fangirling my, you know, like, um, what, like, wait a second. You know, I just, I just started a conversation between, you know, John Branch and Jonas Peterson. Like how wild is this? Yeah. And people. That's it, it is. It's such a, it really is such a beautiful, like such a powerful offset of, of this whole thing. Yeah. It's, it's me learning. It's me growing and, and evolving probably faster than anybody else that listens to this. That is so cool, Miles. I love, I love what you're doing there. Cause like what you are creating has so much power and you literally don't know where it's going to end. Like what is going to come out of the people that you are connecting? Um, like it's, it's going to be, who knows? It's amazing. Well, it's going to be me taking credit for your Vogue. Somehow I'm going to mansplain that to somebody <laughs> and say, when she gets in Vogue, I'm going to say, well, I helped empower that moment. Somehow you're going to make it about you. I would yes, have in mind. I wouldn't mind because you're such a champion of people. Uh, you really, you really are. Um, you really are um, in a genuine way, um, and I really, really appreciate that about you. Thank you so much. Okay, so thank you. I don't accept compliments well, so I just usually skip right past them. Um, That's fine. Okay, so how do we? How do all the people that are listening to this? I, I act as though there's tens of thousands of them. All of the million of you that are going to hear this episode, how do we best um, find community with you? Like, what's the best way for us to engage and encourage and and be a part of of the next you know year of your life as you're figuring out London and and uh, and you know branching into new things? <laughs> you know what? And I'm saying this not to be um, I've not to be falsely humble or anything at all. I'm saying this because I truly, truly wish that for everyone to experience real community, not just the kind of coffee shop community, but the kind of we do life together community. We're there for each other community. The best way to experience community with me is do it in your own life. Like be open um, and honest in your own circle. It doesn't have to be online necessarily. I know some people cannot do that and they're scared of it, whatever the reasons are, you know, privacy. That doesn't even matter that much. You can be honest and, and open and live maskless in your circle in real life, you know, as well, like in, in your family, in your group of friends, and you will be surprised 
what comes out when you start speaking. Um, how many people will be like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you said that. Um, whether that's to do with work or, you know, privately. I recently recorded a podcast about heartbreak and shooting weddings. How do you shoot weddings when you're going through heartbreak? And it's nothing I've ever heard anyone speak about in public. I've only heard this from wedding photographers like behind closed doors because it's like, you can't speak about that. Like it's a good vibes only zone, you know? And that's the type of thing, like start having these conversations, you know, whether you have them online or offline, but start having those conversations to create real community um, where you are in your circle. That's like my biggest, biggest wish. I was always, I always said from the moment that I started my cycle workshops, <laughs> I always said, I don't care how long it takes me, but I am on a mission to change this industry. <laughs> I am on a mission to make this industry more honest and more open and to kind of help photographers be more of themselves, not more of me or more of someone else. So that's like, oh, that would be amazing. That would be my biggest wish. Yes, you know, you can follow me on Instagram and um, DM me. <laughs> um, but honestly, um, just take care of your communities. Like that is, that's my biggest wish. There's literally no better way that we could wrap this up than that. I mean, I, that's that's probably the most true to you statement. Guys, if, if you've made it this far into the podcast, we're about an hour and 20 minutes in. Mm-hmm. It didn't take us that long to get there. And it took us like 45 seconds before Nadia said something that was like just remarkably, uh, like we said, untamed. Um, just, <laughs> you know, running with wolves. But... Um, yeah, I, Nadia, I can't, I can't explain to you how, how grateful I am for your time. Um, you're, you're the, and I, I mean this, I, you've had a lot going on in your life between, between illness and the move and all of that stuff. But I've been, I've been pestering you to be on the other end of this microphone from, from me since, you know, like two weeks into this silly podcast adventure. And, <laughs> um, and the reason for that was exactly what we all just got to experience, which is just that. Um, you know, aside from the acclaim, you know, I mean, I, I'm not even going to, I don't, I don't care what camera you shoot and it doesn't matter to me what your, what your favorite focal length is. I will um, tell you it's a secret. <laughs> don't tell me. I it's, and it's not that it's not important. I think, I think everybody that's listening needs to hear that stuff as well. Like it is important. The gear that you choose, the, the, the way that you shoot, um, the functionality, like all of the art, you you can't be a painter without a paintbrush. Mm-hmm. Like you have to have those decisions made. But I'm just so grateful that you took the opportunity and the time to tell us that, you know, where you get the paint is what makes you special. Yeah, it's and, the uh, it's the brain and the heart and the hand that eventually that leads the brush. You know whatever brush you use. So this is the most quotable. This is the most tweetable uh, conversation I've ever had. Yeah, it's okay. 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 Let's wrap this up. Yeah. You're amazing. Um, thank you. Thank you for everything guys. Um, do me a favor though. I do hope that you take Nadia's advice and, uh, and that you just sort of better yourself, better your community, like get out and remove 
like she's said a hundred times, like remove the masks, remove the the facades and just pour into people, serve people because it's the right thing to do. I also hope that you will jump over and join us in the Photographic Collective because it's kind of a refreshing break from um, from the photo communities that do feel as though they're very egocentric. And uh, there's just a lot of positivity going on. And then because you won't find Nadia over there because she's Facebook adverse, um, follow her just because it's just a beautifully inspired way to just kind of keep up with this beautiful person. So Nadia, we'll do this again soon. Okay. Part two is coming. I, I would love to. I would love to. I would love to. Thank you so much for having me and asking weird question and letting me ask weird questions. <laughs> Thank you. It was great. <laughs>